This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King, the podcast. And we are continuing our presidential breakdown. Last week we had, um, I I played some um, interview from Vivek Ramaswamy, some of his interview with Candace Owens. And I hope you enjoyed that. This week we're going to talk about Nikki Haley. But before that, why am I doing this? You know, so 73% of Americans, there was a poll I saw that said 73% of Americans said that this tight, this election, this go, this election cycle that we're getting ready to go into, that they're going to be focusing in on platform over party. 73%. So that means it's a little mixture of all the parties, right? Um, and then there's conversation around there potentially being a third party, which I'm not opposed to at all. I think it does create good conversation. It's only better. I mean, more debate is only better for this country. So I decided that I wanted to find some interviews where there are individuals that are talking about their kind of like their key points. Right. Um, and these are all presidential or potential candidates. And so and then we're going to do this breakdown So today, (laughs) just know that this is early and I probably will do this again as we get closer to the election time because everyone will have time to kind of develop out their platform. But I just believe that we the people are still in control and we have to put forth the effort in order to make sure that we are electing the right people for the, at the right time to get the right things done. And like I said, more and more people are waking up. More and more people are waking up to politics and we should too. So let's get into this. So we're going to start by sharing um, the first clip. It's going to be Nikki Haley. She was um, talking to a local station who interviewed her. Um, shout out to that local station who interviewed her about um, the just kind of what she was doing. And she was in Iowa. And so let's listen to what she had to say regarding kind of who she is, her message, and just kind of her, her intro. I want them to look at the fact that I'm someone that loves America and believes they deserve better. What we want them to know is the way the country is now and doesn't have to be the way it's going to continue going forward. We need a new generation. I'm an accountant, not a lawyer. I'm the wife of a military man who served in Afghanistan. I'm the daughter of legal immigrants who understand that when they came 50 years ago, our country was strong and proud. We need to get back to that. I'm a mom of two children. And I want their lives to be better than what we had. That's what we're trying to do. And I'm a problem solver. I did it as a two-term governor that took over double-digit unemployment. I did it again and turned it into an economic powerhouse. I did it at the UN when I took the kick me sign off of our backs. I want to do it for America. So after hearing that, I have to say, this new generation talk is cringy to me. (laughs) I'm going to be real. Be 100% real with you. 
The reason why is because I would be, so I was born in 1984. I would be 40 years old, 40 years old in um, next year. And so in 2024, when I see Nikki Haley, she still feels, it still feels very momish to me. And I like that. I think that that shows that she has some type of leadership. Some of my very clo- my closest friends, I call them my, my best friends because I really do feel like I can talk to them about anything. But they also provide me with so much mentorship and leadership just by being who they are. Is a group of women who are all 70 and older. So I don't have a problem with women who are mature and seasoned in leadership, but when you're 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 talking about the next generation or being a part of the new generation i okay yes i think i get where you're going because there's over time there's been a lot of people who are much older but i don't know it just feels a little cringy to me along with the fact that i do think she sounds a little too polished so i but i think this is all things that can be corrected early on so i don't think it's something that's detrimental but I do think that she's going to have to have a really good explanation about the new generation stuff, especially when you have Vivek Ramaswamy in there who's in his 30s. So there is a, a, there, there's a there's a there's a kind of a there's a kind of a, a disconnect there. And as we continue on, there's, I'm going to bring this up again and kind of point out why I, I see this as a problem, because there's something else that's said that to me seems like she's very disconnected from the new generation are from the millennial and um, zennials, like I, I consider myself, which I feel like I'm a smack dab in the middle of a Gen Xer and a millennial. So there's something she said that I feel is a little disconnecting. So if you're going to take that term and be the new generation or the next generation leader, you got to understand the generations, <laughs> particularly younger people. And I'm going to tell you why this is really important as we continue on. I also want to hear a little bit more about her. And I know I'm not saying she could have done that in this interview, which I don't think she could have because it was kind of a shorter interview. But I do want to hear a little bit more of how she got to where she is and her beliefs and um, a little bit about her past, her family, her culture, things like that. So I just get a better understanding. So let's listen to the second clip is and, and this is her discussing like her accomplishments. I've had executive experience. I know what it means to balance a budget. I know what it means to keep South Carolinians state. I know what it meant to cut the spending and call out Republicans and Democrats when they did that. I knew what it meant to get immigration under control and pass a mandatory e-verify system across South Carolina. I understood education and said if a child can't read by third grade, we can't pass them to fourth grade. Everything I did, we were results-oriented. And when you've been an executive of a state, you know what it means to run something. I've also been a U.N. ambassador that didn't deal with one country. I dealt with 193 countries. And so when you had that foreign policy experience and the executive experience, you've got what it takes to make sure you can be the problem solver for the country. To me, this was the best, one of the best parts of this interview. I personally love the fact that she has executive experience. I, I love that she mentioned that she knows how to balance a budget and how she and that she sees that as something that's important and that she's not afraid to tackle the immigration topic. When it came to education, I'm interested to hear what her perspective is going to be on that and if she's willing to get rid of the Department of Education, which is something that Vivek Ramaswamy has said plenty times. And so I definitely want to know where she stands on that. But I, at this point, am very, very certain that 
I do not want to elect people who have not been a CEO or a governor because I need you to have some type of governing experience, when, especially when it comes to dealing with budgets and uh, huge budgets with a huge you know, magnitude. Um, that is important to me. And I, I feel like she does bring that. We can't take that from her. She does have that skill. And I absolutely think that it's good. And she should highlight that a lot more. Okay. Now, there's something that she's been talking about a lot. It's kind of like her platform item. And it's around changing the retirement age. Um, and she kind of goes into, you know, um, yeah, just changing the retirement age. She calls it entitlement reform. But listen to what she has to say about it, and then I'm going to give you my little two cent. So what I said is we have to acknowledge entitlement reform. And the way we acknowledge entitlement reform is just like I take care of my parents. They're both in their 80s. We shouldn't touch Social Security or Medicare for our seniors or anyone that's coming up on retirement. My kids are in their 20s. Those are the ones we need to change the age for. So we need to start making sure that it it actually relates to life expectancy. Back in 1935, you know, life expectancy was 65. They, they raised the age of 65. Life expectancy was 62. Now it's 87, and we've still got it at 67. So what I'm saying is for the younger generation coming in, we need to make sure that we go and extend the retirement age for them. We need to make sure that we limit benefits for the wealthy. We need to make sure that cost of living is tied to inflation. And we need to make sure we expand Medicare Advantage plans so that people have more competition and costs go down. When you say expand 70, 75, 80, is there a range kind of that you're looking for how it would relate to life expectancy for the younger generation? I think what you want to look at is it's not so much about what the actual age is as the principle of it. You know, right now, Social Security is going to go bankrupt in 10 years. Medicare is going to go bankrupt in five years. Our kids know they're not going to get what they're supposed to get. Let's keep our promises for all the seniors and everyone that's put in. But for the new group coming in, let's change the rules. Let's make sure we can do something so that they can have something at the end. I have a concern with her calling it entitlement reform. I think that can be problematic when it comes to messaging later. Later, it's particularly in the general, um, because there are a lot of people who don't see Social Security or, or retirement income as entitlement because it's a felt, it's a feeling like you've earned it, right? Um, you have worked all these years. So I understand what she's saying and I understand that she's correct, but I think that might be a problem for her when it comes down to messaging. She also said that she wanted to implement her changes to the retirement age um, for those who are in their 20s. Well, what does that say about my group? You know, I mean, I'm not close to the retirement age, but I'm closer than those who are in their 20s. So does that mean you're going to keep it the same? Um, you know, I, like I said, I'll be 40 next year. So I'm really I'm really interested in that. She mentioned and she continued to mention that the life expectancy has changed. You know, that there was a time where you were, you know, six, 67 was when most people were dying and now it's 87 and on average. And so she keeps making that point and bringing in those numbers. However, when asked, well, what age do you have in mind? She doesn't have an answer. I get concerned. That makes me pull back when I hear politicians throwing things out there and they don't have it all thought out. Or if they do have it thought out, they're choosing to withhold information. That makes me wonder, like, why are you withholding this information? I just didn't like that she kept 
uh, seemingly avoiding the question versus answering it directly. Um, it makes me think that she either hasn't thought it through or she's keeping something from me. And I, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. Like, why won't you put an age on it? You know, I mean, if you have to do more studies, then just say that. But I also don't think that you should be throwing an idea out there that hasn't been studied either. So I'm a little concerned about that. And when she made the comment about the focus should be on the principal, that tells me you don't have a plan. <laughs> it's like, I, this is a great idea, but it makes me wonder if you have a plan or not. So I really want to hear more around that. Um, and then when it comes to bringing in younger people, this goes back to what I said earlier about her making a comment about being um, new generation, part of the new generation, right? Talking about changing the retirement age, I'm I, I don't know how she came up with that as something that I think would be appealing to younger people. I'm not quite sure. Now, especially if you're going to push it back, because a lot of younger people don't want to work, particularly the, the, the Gen Zers and the younger millennials. They kind of have a different mentality. I, they're more of a gig society. I know our group, our, our millennials, when we graduated from college, we were considered the gig nation because I graduated in 2007. And that was like right going into that huge, you know, recession. And so it was, we, we had to get little gigs, right? There weren't a lot of jobs available. So we were called the gig nation. And I think that kind of, it's what's still happening, especially when you have like the, the opportunity to be an influencer today where you can make a lot of money just posting on social media. I mean, people are just not going to work like they used to and putting in that work. And many of the 20 year olds now, they have this, like there was a study that show that they are now focusing more on purpose, like doing things that are purposeful, that make them feel like they're making an impact. Um, and that's kind of the focus. So going to a nine to five is not something that's being talked about a lot. Now, I'm not saying it shouldn't, but it's not something that's being talked about a lot in younger circles. And right now, they're kind of hitching their wagon to um, climate change, trans rights, and anti-capitalism, which is unsustainable. So I, we do need to get back to, to work. But that's kind of the topics that they're really focusing on right now. And so I don't know if the, the conversation around changing the retirement age is a youthful is a youthful conversation, which is something that when you put yourself under this umbrella of being new generation, you're going to have to always sound more youthful and less out of touch. So I just don't know. I feel like sometimes that I don't know. I, I'm concerned that she might back herself into a corner that she can't really get out of. And when you have, again, Vivek, who's 30 something years old on the stage beside you, checking everything that comes out of your mouth, that can be a bit of a challenge. So she definitely needs to think about that. Um, but again, super early, you know, it's super early and uh, we're going to see now. The last clip you're going to hear is her addressing Trump, because obviously every candidate that's running in this primary is going to have to answer the question, why are you running against Trump? Because whether you like him or not, he is the dominant factor in the Republican Party right now. So here's her response to President Trump. You know, it's funny. The media thinks that you have to be 100 percent Trump or 100 percent against Trump. 
He's my friend. I enjoyed serving with him. We got a lot of good things done on foreign policy, and I think he was the right president at the right time. I don't agree with him on 100% of things. I don't agree with my husband on 100% of things. So when he did something good, I praised him. If he does something wrong, I say it. I'm a truth teller, so I just call it like it is. I think that we need to leave the drama and the status quo of the past. I think we don't need to have somebody that's 80 years old in D.C. I think we need a younger generation to fix things. That starts with term limits. That starts with mental competency tests for people over the age of 75. It starts with realizing that Republicans and Democrats have gotten us into this economic spiraling out of control on spending that we need to stop. And that comes with a problem solver. And that's what I want to do for America. Okay, so I I liked her response for the most part. I really did. I didn't it didn't sound like she was trying to distance herself, which is what was what I didn't want to hear. I feel like that would be detrimental to her. I like her comment around, you know, that you don't have to, you know, be all in or all out when it comes to Trump. Because I feel like I'm that person. There are things that he may say or do that I completely disagree with. And I don't have a problem saying that. And there are a lot of things, too, that I do agree with. So, you know, you, you I, I like that she is making that very clear. It doesn't make you a rhino or anti-Republican if you disagree with President Trump. And I, I do like that she brought that out. I don't like her bringing up the age, though. And let me tell you why. I feel like Trump proves her theory wrong because you look at Trump and Biden and they're like polar opposites when it comes to their their um, their ability to lead and reason and their mental capacity. They're completely like total opposites. I mean, Trump is absolutely one of the sharpest political minds I know, especially marketing. He's like definitely one of the sharpest you know, marketing minds that I know. But I think it just puts her in a really unique position. And the mental competency test, it kind of makes me cringe a little bit because it reminds me a little bit of the IQ test that they were giving people in order to allow them to vote. Um, I, I There's already, there, there's a medical test that takes place. I mean, there are other things in place. I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit of a dig at his age, which is going to line her up to be attacked as, as, as she's, you know, going after ageism. So, I don't know. I just feel like she's putting herself in a position that might ultimately harm her later. And I think we can assume that I think we all can assume that having a younger person, a younger elected official is better for the sake of longevity, health reasons and things of that nature. I don't know if it has to be something that we talk about so heavily and and discuss it so heavily. I think President Biden has shown us that this is something we need to all think about, but I don't know if it needs to be a platform item. And I'm a little concerned that she's going to get hit with um, discriminatory comments, meaning when you go into the general, we, we always say we're the party of meritocracy, but you can't be the party of meritocracy and putting age limits on people and their ability to run for office, regardless of how we feel about President Biden. We can't use these outliers as the to, as determining factors. Now, if she wants to talk about term limits, that's how you address the the youthful angle. I believe that's a healthy way. I think she should stay in that space of term limits and not talk about the age thing so much. Because like I said, do you believe in meritocracy? Or do you believe in um, some levels of discrimination? Like we should put certain people in certain boxes. I believe in meritocracy. So 
I don't really care what your age is. If you're 105 and you're sharp and you're acu- your, your mental acumen is high and you have great ideas and you can get the job done, then do it. Chances are that that won't be the case. You know, I mean, that that's just how it is. So I think we need to rely a little bit on that. So as I close, I hope you enjoyed listening to those clips. I have I'm working on it one for Governor DeSantis. I'm going to do Trump last because there's so many interviews with him, which I think is great, actually. I mean, that kind of proves that he really believes in some form of transparency. Um but I want to do him last. Uh, but I am I am working on Governor DeSantis. Um, but when it comes to closing out this particular podcast, when it comes to Nikki Haley, I kind of had the same critique that I had for Vivek. I really want to hear less of I and more of we because you're not going to get anything done by yourself. You know, it's going to take a team. And I actually got that from my good friend, John Marsh, who was, when I asked him, he's a you know staunch constitutionalist as well. And when I asked him, what does he look for in candidates? That was one of the things he mentioned is that more of we, and who's going to be in your cabinet? Who are the people you're going to have around you? Because it does take a lot of people and strong people to get things done. And you have to be able to work across the aisle to get things done. So... I want to see more of your effectiveness when it comes to working with people. And I do think that she's extremely polished and that's concerning. I don't know how well she'll do if we were to go into the weeds. So that may become problematic on a debate stage. We might see her kind of talk in circles or revert back to that political space where you have the politician that doesn't really answer questions. We're over that. Um, We're no longer taking your word for it. We don't want to take your word for it. We want to hear answers. Do not talk in spins. And I, so I do see a few of her blind spots and her positions. You know, I'm interested to see how she plans to defend them. I'm interested to see how she's going to really um, navigate all of these uh, moments without having her binder or (laughs) without having her notes. So that is a little bit of a concern, um, but this is not to wail on her or to think that she wouldn't make a good president. I have not selected who I would like to support. That's something that Kelvin and I are going to do together. But um, I, I'm definitely, as you can see, looking very closely and being very critical of everyone because I think that that's where we are right now. We need to make sure we do that. So overall, Vivek sound a little bit more prepared and equipped with details. However, I do think that Nikki Haley um, having some that executive and government experience is a win for her. She's quite accomplished there. Um, I think she can navigate out of some of her blind spots if she starts early. And um, this was a shorter interview, so maybe she just couldn't get too deep into her 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 points. So that's why I want to do this again. But um, I look forward to hearing more and seeing where she stands. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Feel free to reach out to me and um, on social media or you can shoot me an email. But um, yeah, I, I hope that you're doing the same thing, putting in the work to find out exactly who you are going to support and why and that you're asking the right questions. We will continue to do this. See you next week as we continue our presidential candidate breakdown. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. Remember to like, share, and follow this podcast so you'll be notified when new episodes have been uploaded. And if you heard something that you like, please give it five stars. And guess what? 
I need your feedback. Or if you just have a topic that you want to hear or some ideas and ways that I can help to make this podcast more enjoyable for you, please shoot me an email. It goes directly to me at I am period Janelle King at gmail.com. That's I am Janelle King at gmail.com. And like I always say, remember, disagreement is democracy. Thank you for listening. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today's your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. 